everyone. Uh, welcome to a slightly altered edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man that needs a ROM hack to make him less surly and more personable. I give you the Brent. It also makes me throw fireballs in midair. <laughs> My God, that would all be done a million times. So, Brent, yes, we sort of kind of had a little problem and missed an entire week of shows. Tell the people why it's your fault. Uh, I allowed you to be sick. Wrong. We were both sick. I wasn't sick they at all. Sick. He's been sick as a dog. No. Plus, his whole house flooded. No, it that was a did disaster. Happen. A disaster. My house did flood. But, again. But well, not bad. Just a little bit. The good news is, we're back. And we're really, really fired up for this week's episode. Because it's two weeks in the making. Britt, do you recall what we spun those so long ago off in the distance? Because I've... I believe we saw Boat Fest. No. Oh, no, we didn't. No, we'll get to that. Oh. We spun, bam, hacked arcade games, arcade bootleg. Yes. These are arcade games that were unofficially altered in some way to change the contents or change the game entirely. Yes. What do you know about these bootleg arcade machines? We've had... We've been in, we've had a, uh, one or two of these, as I recall. In fact, we've actually covered more than a couple bootlegs on this show. Do you remember Herbie's Olympics? I do. That was a bootleg. Yeah, you're right. I remember um, you talking about that. Here's the thing. Bootlegs are a special breed. And there's two reasons why you have bootlegs. Reason number one. You've got someone in a, in a restricted country that can't legally obtain the game that they want to have, right? Uh, maybe it's due to trade agreements or uh, government bans or what have you. So they want this game. They can't have this game, but they have something similar, right? And they can just start tweaking it, right? And they can make it their own version of the game from other material, right? You might have an arcade board that runs one game, but with a few ROM hacks, a little bit of programming, you can get it to play something else. Mm. So that's bootleg number one. All right. The second kind of bootleg is when you have something and it's getting stale or it's getting, uh, uh, you know, it's not bringing in the profits that it once did. And you're like, crap, we need to, we need to get more out of this game than we currently have. And you have someone go in there and tweak it. Maybe they make it faster. Maybe they change the rules of the game. Maybe they, uh, you know, make it so it's harder. So people, you know, increase difficulty. But whatever it is, that type of game adds longevity to an already existing product. Uh, and lastly, you have your just straight up illegal bootlegs. Okay. Yeah. And those are the ones where someone has taken someone else's stuff uh, and changed it just enough that they can not legally claim it as their own, but they can claim it as their own and they don't have to pay whoever's at the top for getting that, to getting that product to them. So those are three types of bootlegs. Uh, one, of course, the last one, incredibly, uh, they're all illegal, right? Because yeah. you're taking someone else's intellectual property uh, even if it's not what you see on the screen, it might be what's behind the scenes, you know, the boards, the ROMs, that kind of thing, and you're changing it for your own purposes. So, bootlegs, totally illegal, that's not even up for discussion. However, 
Theron. Bootlegs have brought us so many innovations that we didn't know we needed. All right, example. Well, I will get into the examples of, uh, of my game. But something I wanted to highlight, because I found this, and I this is one I had never seen, but reading about it is incredibly interesting. And did you know there's a Killer Instinct bootleg? Um, no, I don't think I did okay. know that. Now, this is a bootleg different than things one and two I was talking about, and way more like thing three. There is a uh, system out there that has taken the Super Nintendo version of Killer Instinct, yeah, modified it to work inside of an arcade cabinet. Now, they, to get it to work correctly, they removed all the mentions of Nintendo, all the copyright stuff, unless you go digging, because like they, they missed some along the way. Yeah. But it's the Super Nintendo version that is programmed to take coins to use arcade controls, to fit arcade monitors. And it is basically a way for uh, these more illegal operations or foreign operations to get the Killer Instinct game for cheap, because all it is is a modified Super NES thing, yeah. in countries that couldn't import the original Killer Instinct anyway. What do you think of that? Well, I'd be disappointed if I wanted to play Killer Instinct and that's what came but up. But what if you never saw Arcade Killer Instinct? Well, that Instinct? would be different then, I suppose. That's the whole thing. These are, uh, you know, a lot of these are things of necessity. If you can't get the game in your country, but you know that it's popular, you know it's going to make money if you get a hold of it, Super NES, Killer Instinct is better than no Killer Instinct. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, <clears throat> along the lines of the categories you talked about, when I... When we first spun the category, right? The game that written, that came up for me in my mind when I think of like a bootleg in a ROMs on a board is was would be Scramble, yeah, uh, the classic uh, game I believe from Stern, and it but it's at the time it was one of the most hackable games there was. <laughs> yes, and there are all kinds of other games, everything from Frogger to Donkey Kong clones that were made to run on the scrambles of PCB with various ROMs. So for me, when I think of ROM hacks, that's the first thing I think of is is where they just they had a board. And this was because arcade owners would buy these boards and they would like you said they want to increase the longevity of what they Absolutely. could do with them. So if you buy just if you buy ROM swaps for them, you've just saved Cheap. yourself an exponential amount of money. Cheap. Yeah. And like you said also for the ability to have games that you maybe normally couldn't get or afford in other countries, <clears throat> Scramble uh, has a ton. Uh, there's a lot of games that run on like other games hardware, you know, and you can go back through time, and then you can go back into games that were that were ROM hacked. Uh, like you said, they had a, had a functionality, and I think a lot of times I think I like to say a, 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 a where they make stupid changes, like cosmetic changes, add characters to uh, uh, alter the way things look. You know, just slight changes. You could all it just if you're an arcade owner, like you said, if you want to freshen up a game, it's yes. not it's not a far cry to just change, do a palette swap or change uh, some art uh, with a ROM hack. Not a big deal. Now it's funny in the arcades over the years. We've both been to a million arcades. I don't recall seeing tons and tons of hacked games. Do you remember seeing any of these in the wild? I, I've seen the game I'm talking about, Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition. I have played that in the arcades. Really? I've played Herbie at the Olympics in the arcades. Um, 
I'm sure I have played some hacks that I did not even realize were hacks. Right. But those are two distinct, I have imprinted memories, you know, of playing them and wondering what the heck's up. The, the one, the, probably the one, if I had to say that I've played any of these arcade ever, it would probably be the sped up, uh, one of the sped up Pac-Man games. Yes. Were, uh, that, which was like, incredibly popular. Turbo Miss Pac-Man, And that yes. gives you another example. Of course, you had the, uh, the one, you have the button. Yeah. speed her up, and there were different variants. Sometimes you didn't get the button. Yep. Uh, uh, so that that's one that's pretty. Uh, if if you're going to think to yourself, have I ever seen one of these in the arcade ever? That would be the one that I think you maybe would have seen because of all the games that were ROM hacked and bootlegged in the arcade. I'd say that's near the top of the heap. But in one, and of th- course, always remember, Miss Pac-Man exists because of a bootleg. Right. Something else I wanted to mention was uh, the fact that. Uh, we may have played. In fact, I'm pretty sure we owned a bootleg uh, Street Fighter board. It's. I think the that that's something you'll see uh, uh, that you may have played in the arcade that you might not know about. Was just straight up uh, illegal boards. Yeah. Which is something else that happens. That's sort of. I mean, that's within the scope of this show. We didn't cover any boards like that because there wouldn't be a whole lot of fun to be like, yeah. yeah, this is just like Frogger, but it's illegal. <laughs> this is Frogger, yeah. You know, and which <clears throat> brings me to the, to uh, uh, why I picked what. Are you ready to get into these things? Well, you one more thing I'll, we want to stress here: uh, all bootlegs are not created equal. Right. Some of them are absolute garbage. Right. It is literally people who don't know what they're doing tinkering with forces they can't possibly understand, uh, but they still sell because they're at least something. Right. And some arcade owners uh, will literally, they don't care what it is. It's all about having something new. Yeah. And if they can get something new for 50 bucks as opposed to 500 bucks, they're going to do it. You know, arcade, uh, most, a lot of people now weren't around for arcades, unfortunately for them. And yeah. there, and our, if you went to an old, I'm talking early '80s arcade. Yeah. Okay. Dark arcade. You weren't, you weren't, um, you were getting the hits, but I mean, the things were. This was a new expense. It was a new world. A lot of these arcade owners that came from like the pinball world. Pinball was not like arcade games. All right. I mean, so the arcade machines moved quicker. They yeah. wore out faster, and you replaced them. And so there was a different sort of environment uh, at foot. Uh, in that arcade era than there would be uh, later on. And as arcades moved forward, uh, these issues sort of fixed themselves because arcade cadets morphed into stuff like the System 7 cadet where you can swap a board or, yeah. the, or the Neo, Neo Geo, Geo. Yep. Uh, or uh, stuff like that where, they, where the people that made games understood, hey, listen, there's a need for this. We can actually use this as a selling point, which is what they did. Yeah. And so you saw less of this than you would have in the early days, where people were desperately trying to keep their collection of arcade machines fresh uh, to generate more money. Um, with all that said, Brett, I'll go ahead and lead the dance this week. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll lead the dance. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, when <laughs> when we discussed what game to play yeah. uh, this week, I asked Brent, because I wasn't sure, uh, if I'm honest. I'm like, listen, is this going to be good to go? And he said it was. Yeah, and it's it a, does, absolutely. It's a bootleg. The scope of this. I know, but I mean, I, you never know. And no, I don't wanna 100%. Get, I don't want you to give me the business. Battle chess for the arcade. Oh, battle chess arcade. <laughs> no, so, and I actually went with a, with a game that we own, and legally yes. own, uh, Brent. And I, that, well, we legally own it, although it is technically illegal to exist. Yeah, and that game... Is a D2K Donkey Kong 2. It's got many different names, uh, Brent. 
but it, well, we, I'm just going to call it going forward as Donkey Kong 2. Yeah. Now, we all know about Donkey Kong. Yes. The, uh, per, the incredible arcade, arcade machine. Yes. Uh, Donkey Kong, just like anything else, had a long, long run, and and it built up a lot of popularity. Yes, and so Donkey Kong has been ripe for uh, bootlegs and hacks. There's a million of these things now. I've seen Donkey Kong uh, hacks that let you play as Pauline. Yes, I've seen absolutely. Donkey Kong hacks Very that have a, a Christmas theme. Yep, I've seen Donkey Kong hacks that have a, a Halloween theme. All right, so there are multiple hacks Donkey Kong. Uh, but the, this one really was one of the first ones I think I ever saw that was of any quality. And that was... Uh, well, no, the Pauline ones are great. But, I mean, I'm, I'm talking... But that's a sprite this, swap. Also, yeah. that's much newer. This, yeah. is, this is much older than those. Ah. Most of... No, it is. Trust me, I'll look. So, uh, Donkey Kong 2, and I, uh, which it's actually officially known as D2K. That's right. dumb. We're but I'm to Donkey Kong. I'm too. just telling you for for in, in, uh, to uh, get that out there. <laughs> what does the author of this know? <laughs> so uh, the uh, Donkey Kong 2 came out. Now the dates on the official unveiling of this are a little sketchy. Uh, it was ready to go in 2006, but it was eventually fully released. As far as I could tell, in 2007, the brand, okay. which is funny to go back and think about it. And it was this thing was done by a guy named Jeff Kozeki. Uh I looked into Jeff quite a bit. There's a ton of interviews with uh, Jeff Kozeki about this because this wasn't his first rodeo. He uh, he was an arcade. He was a guy that had a home arcade. He's a lot like us. It's the early 2000s. We've got arcade machines. And, we're, and he's the same way. And the first thing he got into was altering the ROM set on Dragon's Lair. Right. You remember when those enhanced ROM sets were coming out really in the in the, in the early 2000s, right? right. Uh, he was involved in that. And, uh, there's a, a website, a very famous website called the Dragon's Lair Project. Yes. That documents a lot of those changes. He was involved in the Dragon's Lair ROM scene for a while, trying to clean up some glitches and some other things. The Dragon's Lair did have some loose ends. That you could clean up. <clears throat> and so, what he decided to do was to get into the realm of something that we got into, sort of, which is high score chips. Yeah. Okay. A way to save high scores yeah. on games that didn't have battery backup. That's right. You pull the plug, your high <clears throat> scores are gone. Right. So, he started doing high score boards. Okay. This was a phenomenon. It's, I mean, I guess it still goes on. Uh, where you like Brent said, you put this. You just it's an addition to your already existing yes. arcade board. It would have a battery, and he had done some of these. And when he and he's like, okay, I'm going to do one for Donkey Kong. And he and he said, he said, I started disassembling the code because when you go in there and start doing stuff like messing with, uh, uh, you try to figure out high score tables and stuff. These games, just like anything else, if you go in there without knowing what you're doing, you could one little screw up and you could and you could botch the whole sure. game. And so. He went in there, and I should mention that uh, Kozaki got his start on a C64, learning uh, assembly code, learning how to do this stuff. And he said as he was looking through the code for Mario, he found a, a hidden sprite in there that was a, a falling pie, or in the cement level. It was one he hadn't seen before. And so he started looking into the code, and it turns out there, are a lot, there were graphics in there that had not been used. All right? they, were in the, they were in the ROM... Which is, this happens. Absolutely, this probably means at some point uh, uh, the, they had <clears> planned something that they didn't uh, they didn't get around to, or they ran out of time. And so <clears throat> he got to thinking to himself, "Man, I think I could go through this 
and maybe do something with this. And so that's when he began the process. And start, he started working on uh, DK2. Uh, it took three and a half years uh, of, of not straight program, but on and off. Sure. So this would have been a project that would have began in the in the early 2000s uh, before he ultimately got it finished. Now, uh, once he got this done, he already had a history of selling these high scoreboards, so it wasn't a huge leap for him to uh, put these out for distribution. Just in case you're curious, uh, we've got one of these in our Donkey Kong sitting over to my, to my left. And it's literally a board that fits into the Z80 slot. And then you take it, take the Z80 out and stick it in this board. So it just has a pass-through on it. And what it does is it, it, it lets you use a software switch or hardware switch, either one, to go from Donkey Kong 1 to 2. Mm-hmm. It also has a high-score saving uh, element to it as well. <clears throat> and I believe it's, I think it's, you hit player 1, player 2, and up, or something like that to switch. Jumping up, Something yeah. like that. And uh, and then the other game will come out. So you can. It's funny. You could actually have this in your machine. And if you didn't know how to switch it over, you'd never uh, unless know. you turned it on. It comes up when you turn it on. But you would you would just think it was a Donkey Kong machine because for all intents and purposes, it is Donkey Kong until you all until you kick up the secondary ROM. So let's get into this uh, a little bit. Uh, the Brent, uh, since we're this is a game we're pretty familiar with. Um, <clears throat> Jeff was a smart guy when he did this because. One thing you don't do is screw with the classics, okay? And so when you start Donkey Kong 2, uh, you get all the original Donkey Kong boards, and they're intermingled with the, the new boards uh, that he designed for the game. Again, he made no additions except for one slight sort of Easter egg addition, which we'll get to, uh, but he added multiple those. Now, if you're a kid or a guy that was growing up back in, the, in that era, you would hear about these other levels, okay? I heard about a level called the Foundry level, for example, uh, and, and so which apparently this guy had worked on, and this ended up being part of the four level. But I mean, I, I think you could have bought at least one of these levels separately. I'm not one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. Not, as a, I mean, when I say bought, that's not really fair. You could have obtained or whatever. I don't know if you'd have bought it. Sure. So if you're familiar with Donkey Kong, you're of course playing Jumpman. You're trying to get to Pauline. He made some changes, uh, and we're gonna just gonna go over. I'm not gonna go over the normal levels. I'm just gonna go over the four levels he added. The first was the foundry. Uh, this level adds uh, basically conveyor belts uh, that you have to get across to get to the top of the screen. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I read uh, in in an interview with Jeff is that he one thing he didn't want to do was use the barrels because if he, he knew if he had levels with barrels in it, he'd have to alter the way they work. And he knew that would mess with the other levels, and he didn't want to change those iconic levels. Right. So he didn't he didn't fool with the barrels, but he did mess with the fireballs. And the fireballs just act a little bit differently than they do in the arcade version. Yes. Uh, but uh, they're in fact they're a little more predictable, I think, than the arcade version. Uh, and then stuff like just randomly floating, uh, randomly thrown barrels on like the on the normal screen Donkey Kong. Those are unchanged. In fact, he said those aren't uh, those. There's no way to predict those. Those truly are random. Yeah. So if you ever wondered about that, and they have patterns once they start, but where, which one he decides to throw is random. Right. Yeah. So anyway, on the foundry level, like I said, you go across these conveyors. Each there are two sets of there are two uh, platforms with conveyors, and on each one of those, uh, there are two sets of conveyors you have to work your way across. This level uh, it can be annoying, but you can get across that if you 
what you practice a lot, and this is the first little. Once you learn the trick that you have to fall off the platforms rather than jump, in some cases, uh, the the board becomes pretty trivial. Right, right. Now, then you've also got the refinery. Now, this level is this is more of a puzzly level, isn't it, Brad? Well, this is a beast. Yeah, <clears throat> this level has uh, the jump man take on. He has to light up two, uh, two, or basically turn off two flames on the level that are fed by an oil uh, barrels on each side of the screen that with a pipe going through them. And through the pipe, you'll see a spark go. If, if he touches the spark, he dies. Yeah. Uh, and so what, what Jumpman's got to do on this level, it's got an elevator. You've got to go and take out all the rivets on the level to get up to the point where you could, and then eventually the, you'll turn off those flames if you get the rivets off, because effectively what you're doing is disassembling the piping to the oil barrel, to the from the oil barrel of the flames, right? And the reason you're doing all this work is just to gain the ability to go and stand on that top level to make the last leap over to where Donkey Kong is. A difficult level, but a fun level, very clever. This is a toughie. This is the first level that you're really, really going to spend yeah some some time on. Right, right, right. Now the next, and, it does, and this one doesn't get unlike the first level, the first new level. That once you kind of figure out what you have to do, I mean, you might download it a dozen times, but once you figure out what you have to do, you're going to be able to complete it pretty easily. The uh, refinery level isn't like that. It is difficult, even if you know what you're doing, even if you've played it a hundred times. The platforms are small, the fireballs are quick, and you have to make some really precise jumps. The next level I want to talk about, uh, Brent, uh, is a real tough level, the incinerator level. This level has Mario on a, a, there are three, at the bottom of the screen, there are three different uh, platforms that are conveyors that are running inward. And on top of the layers, you have some, the pies, the cement things that are falling into a flame. And you've got to run across these levels and jump over the flame all the time and being on a, uh, you're on a conveyor belt and you're also avoiding these flames. This is difficult. In yes. fact, I can count the number of times I've gotten past this level. On one hand, it's I was not good at this. Uh, on this level, it's actually quite clever. You're you're getting stuff uh, to uh, to to basically raise an elevator to the point where you can actually get up well, to the top of the screen. Yeah, this is this is this is the, one of the first levels that really goes outside of what you know of Donkey Kong. Yeah. Um, the throughout the level, there are hearts that will spawn, and when you collect one heart, another heart will spawn uh, in in a sequence. And what this does is ha you've got a seesaw at the top. And when you collect the heart, the heart you, you collect goes to the seesaw and weights it down. Yeah. And when it weights, when you've collected all the hearts, the seesaw will drop all the way to the bottom, which will have a platform that will allow you to jump to where you need to go. Right. It's a, it's a, it's, I like it. Yeah. This almost takes back... Uh, takes Donkey Kong back to the level of Popeye. That's what it reminds me of because you're collecting the hearts. Yeah. So like a Popeye, uh, but they they really put a lot of thought into this one. Uh, it's very very clever. But incredible that bottom part where you're working your way through those conveyors is brutally. <laughs> it difficult. is. It and is jumping over difficult. that flame and trying to jump over a pie and trying to not fall in with the conveyors. It's it's really hard. This is also the mm. level where they used the unused sprite for the pie falling. Um, so it is a, that's the sprite that is in the original game but never used. This is where he actually uses it. 
And the last level we're going to talk about is the mixer level. I, I've gotten here just a handful of times. So I can't give you much of a copy. Basically, you're, it's a conveyor belts that work your way up to Donkey Kong. Uh, this is a difficult one. Do you care to talk about this one? Uh, I haven't played it so few times. I don't, I'm not good enough to really make a comment on this it. This is really more of a straightforward level like the like one of the previous ones. Yeah. It's you... The beginning part of it's the hardest part because the conveyor belt will stop. Okay, let me back up. You have to jump pies, the concrete pies, on a, on a ever-moving conveyor belt. And as you are going, the pies are being placed in front of you by a piece of machinery. Yeah. And every time that it places a piece of uh, a pie... The conveyor belt actually stops for a second, yeah. which is incredibly disorienting. Yeah, um, and you have to basically run continuously jumping pies, which pies are hard, way harder to jump than barrels because the barrels are coming at you, so you're jumping over them, right? Yeah, the pies are moving on the conveyor belt until they're not moving on the conveyor belt because it's stopping to put another pie on. It's continuous, and the jumping is precise. So this first section is just a complete disaster. Uh, if you do manage to get past that, all you have to do is jump the machinery that's actually placing the, the pies on the conveyor belt that you just got past. Um, and then it's a few hop, skips, and it jumps up to your goal. However, the first part of this level is so hard, I think I've only beaten this level maybe one or two times ever, yeah, ever, uh, to complete the loop. So this is a beast of a level. And that gets me to where I, something I want to talk about on this. Uh, the default, I believe the default on this was six lives. Uh, Seven, I think. Something like yeah. that. And you need that many. But yes. this game, this hack, you know, I've always been of a mixed ba uh, mixed feelings on DK2. I really enjoy what he did. And we didn't get into the fact he also added cutscenes. Cutscenes. Yeah. Uh, they're a very cute cutscene. Oh, too. they're brilliant. Yeah. And that way they've got one where Pauline is walking and she has all the collectibles yeah, from she's the game. Wearing them. So she's got the purse, she's got the umbrella, she's got the hat, and uh, she gets scared by Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong jumps out and she runs away and drops all those items. Yeah. So it gives you a, uh, a a context of why you are collecting these items yeah. from around the board. That that kind of storytelling is brilliant. It's so simple too. Yeah, and it's amazing that they all match up size wise. I mean, she doesn't have an enormous hat on. Yeah, but still, it's it is cute. <clears throat> and the other one is jumping screw with Donka. It's it's good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm a, I consider myself a pretty good hand at the old DK. Yeah. You know, and I find this game uh, into your this is this game ebbs Donkey Kong into your manic minor level of difficult because. There are, on the last level we talked about and the level before, there are elements of that level that require one precise jump that's perfectly timed in line with the environment that if you don't make it, you've got to start over. There, and, yeah. and that I don't like. I don't like where it's... That's one thing Donko never did was make it so you had to make this one perfect jump. And this does. And so while I applaud... Uh, uh, this fella for b putting this out, and it's quite brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I think he got a little too hardcore on a couple of elements of this to make it. There are two boards of this that have elements I, that I think are borderline impossible, and that cuts down the amount of fun you can have. Well, this there's a difference between 
Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 2. Donkey Kong is an arcade high score game. And the challenge of Donkey Kong, well, yes, the boards get harder. Yes, the challenge increases, right? I get that. But at its core, the game challenges you to do things faster and to uh, risk more to get points. It's a point game. It's a high score that's game. Right. At its core, that's what it is. Donkey Kong 2, the new levels in it, are not point games. No. They are platformers. Yeah. That is two very distinct and different game types. I want right? to meet the guy that can point press DK2. No, that's the thing. Donkey Kong, you try to get points. Donkey Kong 2, you try to get through the level. Yeah. Is it wrong that it's that way? No. I mean, if that's what the guy wanted to add, that's fine. But it is not in the same spirit as the original game. Yeah. Yes, it uses the same sprites. Yes, it uses the same game logic. I'm not saying anything about that. But the core gameplay is different. And I think if you go into this expecting more Donkey Kong, you're going to be disappointed. If you go into this expecting a challenging platformer based off the controls of Donkey Kong, you're going to be incredibly happy because it's exactly what it is. And the thing is, I enjoy the game. I didn't want to bury it, but I don't. Those are elements I don't. I don't enjoy. Uh, these kits are still available. I looked uh, before the show started. Uh, of course, you all, you get your uh, your heart your uh, save score. You know, he found. A, he made a note. You know, we have a uh, Donkey Kong. Obviously, we got this in it, and that Z80 processor that's in it was socketed. But yeah. apparently he found some people that have Z8, that have Donkey Kong boards that don't have socket Z80, which I found interesting. He was surprised, and so am I. I never heard of that. I bet they're hacks. I bet they're hacks. Well, no, they're not hacks. They probably they probably I, no. I bet, I, bet they're they're, I bet they're a later revision that mm. they just they, 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 they it doesn't make any they, sense. Sure, they could they can they could save money on it. Uh, apparently, there's a ending to this game where a, with a secret Easter egg of Donkey Junior being in there. I've never seen it, and probably never will. <laughs> You know, but it's in there. Uh, this game came out right around the same time that King of Kong came out, and he, yeah. uh, the author actually mentioned that uh, uh, Kozeki mentioned that Walter Day had contacted him and asked him how easy it would be to cheat at Donkey Kong. So he thought that was, and so <laughs> yeah, there's a connection there. Of course, he loves uh, King of Kong, as you would imagine. <laughs> uh, if you want to pick these boards up, they're going for now. The last I checked, I just looked at the website this morning, and they're going for about sixty-six bucks. I don't recall what we paid for. I don't think we paid that much. No, I uh, think we actually paid more than that. No, I don't think. I know no, we didn't. I know that I'm too cheap. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you? Here's the boxes you have to check. Yeah. Do you have a Donkey Kong cabinet? Okay. Yes. All right. Do you play your Donkey Kong cabinet a lot? No. Most people don't. Some people do. I mean, if you're going for high scores, that kind of stuff. Do you want to breathe new life into your Donkey Kong cabinet? If you do, this is $66 well spent. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if you don't like the new content, right, uh, it's still worth it to show off. It's still worth it to play through a couple times. And it's worth it for the high score thing. Yeah. And if you are a high score player, what this also adds to the game is instant resets. Like, if you're playing the original Donkey Kong, 
and you die, instead of having to sit there and waste all your lives to reset the game or to reach back and power off the whole machine, you just hit the 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 uh, quick reset buttons, it restarts the game, you go back into Donkey Kong, and you're ready to play again. I should mention that uh, Kozeki, aside from the high score issue, one of the things he really originally wanted to do was try to find a way to set Donkey to do Donkey Kong free play. Because there is no, there's They're no, right. so there's that, no that, that also gives you the it. ability to do that as well. So that's kind of that's kind of neat. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on real quick before I call this one off. Uh, it's funny there was a headline: uh, unofficial Donkey Kong sequel wants Nintendo's blessing, September seventeenth of two thousand nine, and it's called Zeki trying to contact Nintendo. He actually did contact them, and, and they they were nice to him, uh, but they said they don't allow outside sources. Yeah. So they they were so unfortunately they gave Kozeki the heave the old heave ho, but uh, a neat game. Uh, I like said it just had to be one that we owned, and this definitely counts as a ROM hack. And the Absolutely. fact that he took all the unused assets and turned it into quite brilliant gameplay. Yeah, uh, I've got to give the guy uh, some credit there. Um, did we get any reviews of this? Let's have a quick look here because I'm not. I believe we did. Um, the uh, truth of the matter is when you do these things two weeks in advance, sometimes you forget what you're doing. And we did get some reviews here, so let's, let's read through them here real quick. Uh, let's start off with Z9K9, who writes, uh, <clears throat> I enjoyed learning how to complete one loop of this quite hard game. Uh, this new screen runs the, ga- the new screens run the gamut of reduced margins of error, one-time physics lessons, and some interesting new machinery like the cement mixer. I was particularly impressed with how the first stage changed from a uh, road walk along in the first loop to have adaptively squeezed uh, around random leaping fireballs in the second. Uh, whereas the increasing presence of the random roving fireballs on the very cramped levels with extra lo- uh, tight time limits means it should be possible to evade them consistently at close quarters, else they could soon become unfair. I'm not seasoned enough with DK to know uh, about that for sure, though. I still want to play more and find out, and that that's an addictive quality. It appears the classic stage one still has the best variety of action and, dyna- uh, yeah. and dynamism of tactics, but the other levels are no disgrace. A nicely plumped up fabric condition that new challenge for old jumpers, 8 out of 10. D9K9, it was like a... a, a he was trying to test my reading skills there. I think I failed. Um, our, our good friend Pajaco chimed in. Uh, the critics of this hack uh, really seem to get what makes Donkey Kong a good game. It's extremely challenging, but not unfair. I found myself uh, insulting this game many times, but I absolutely love it. I won't be able to spend a short time with it so far. And I've just about reached level three, but I'm determined to beat it. If you like the original game, but you genuinely... Uh, have made it your B word. Give Donkey Kong 2 a try and get back to a noob feeling. 10 out of 10. <laughs> wow. So really Excellent. That, we're going to put that one over, Brent. Let's see if we've got anybody else. No, that's it. A while. So there you go. A couple good reviews. Oh, like I said, a fun game, an interesting diversion, and you can pick one up. By the way, this is also available in many ROM collections if you Absolutely. look around. So. Okay, with well, all that said, Brent, uh, it's funny. When we thought of, we talked about this category, the game you ended up sele- selecting is one that was right at the front of my brain. Yes. I was like, bam, because we're both familiar with what do you got? I, of course, chose Street Fighter II Rainbow Edition, possibly the most 
uh, well-known and popular bootleg. Uh, if it's not, it's way up there. Yeah. Uh, Street Fighter 2 Champions Edition came out, right? And we all know about it. Street Fighter, you get your, uh, your eight normal warriors and your four boss warriors, and you pick which one you want to battle with. And you, I'm a Sagat man, and you And you bring, I'm a Ken guy. And you bring them to fight, and it's good times. <clears throat> um, and then Championship also, you know, like I said, allows you to play the bosses. It added a few new tweaks and quirks, uh, fixed a few bugs. It was an upgrade from Street Fighter 2. It was the upgrade we all wanted. Because everybody, the funny thing about Street Fighter, just to get into this a little bit, because of course, Street Fighter went on to release 50 million versions, okay? And this was the first in a long line of slightly updated versions, okay? Yeah. But Street Fighter 2 was a phenomenon. Yeah. A phenomenon, brother. If you went around back in those days, you're not a fighting game guy. Like, Street Fighter 2 came out, you're like, oh, oh, where did this come from? Yeah. This is the best thing we've ever seen. So when they were like, yeah, hey, would you like to play the bosses? Because keep in mind, there were a lot of bosses in Street Fighter 2, something that was Four. up. And so you're like, do I want to play M. Bison? You got that right. Or Vega? Holy crap, gimme. So they're like, and they knew. Yeah. Now, and the thing is, you can only get away with this once, Yeah. and oh, no yeah. one knows. You know what I'm saying? Because after this, everybody's like, oh, now we see what you're doing. But this one time, they're like, listen, you can play all the bosses. We've juiced up the levels a little bit, and you're and we were on board. We yes. were on board. And the thing is, if you didn't have Championship Edition, you got nothing. Yeah. The old, if you played the old one, that didn't have the guys in it. You yeah. want the guys. You want you want those four extra. So characters. this was a big deal. Absolutely. And then after that, uh, Capcom kind of sat around for a while, and like we talked about earlier, Street Fighter Two Championship Edition started to get stale. Yeah. And what happens when things get stale? They get hacked, they get bootlegged, and things start to happen. Yeah. And that's when Street Fighter Two Rainbow Edition hit the scene. Now, something I have to explain here. There is no game called Street Fighter Two Rainbow Edition. Yeah. Okay. That, that that title does not exist. The reason why the community at large, and this is well before widespread internet, you know, this was just a name that kind of happened. The title screen for this hack has Street Fighter Two in a rainbowish uh, hacked lettering. It's not actually like a perfect rainbow or anything like that. It's just screwed up colors just enough that it sort of looks rainbowy. <clears throat> so that's how it got its name. It's a glitch. Well, it's not a glitch. They did it, but it looks, it looks it's just glitchy. funky, right? Yeah. Uh, this can also be known as Street Fighter 2 Black Belt Edition. That's something else that was That's very... a better name. Well, but it what makes this Black Belt Edition if you don't know it going in? Yeah. Um, so, what is Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition? Another thing we have to talk about before we talk about that, there's like seven of these, okay? There wasn't just one release of this hack. There were multiple, done by multiple companies. I had no idea. Yes. I thought it was just one. No, there are, there are lots. Um, there are at least seven known ones. And some of the differences between one version and the other <coughs> is almost indistinguishable. Uh, it's just someone else did the same thing to get to the same place, but it's a different it's a different company or a different game. It's a different hack. So 
the one we're talking about today was done by a Taiwanese hacking group at the Hung Sai Enterprise in Taiwan. They basically said, we've got this Street Fighter, we want to make it more popular, we want to juice it up a little bit, what are we going to do? And juice it up they did. This took your your classic Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition and added in tons of funkiness. What kind of funkiness? Now you can throw your fireballs in midair. Now you can do almost all your special moves in midair. The the speed is amped up to eleven. Do multiple yes. fireballs. You can throw you can have four, five, six fireballs on the screen at the same time. So much so that you can slow the game down to a crawl even if in its <laughs> incredibly accelerated rate. You can hit the start button, change characters mid fight. Um, that's something that's not in all the all the different versions, but yeah, you know, it, it does exist. That. Yeah, <clears throat> um, you can. Uh, 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 it gives fireballs to people who didn't have fireballs, right? Uh, <laughs> this is actually the first Street Fighter game where Chung Li had a fireball. Uh, Zangief can spinning power drive nothing. He can just grab nothing and jump up and do a spinning power driver. Uh, your fireballs are heat seeking. Uh, they it just it does all they travel this. in funky patterns. Sometimes they fire two at once. They go to curve. It's it, all screwed yeah, up. Yeah, it's all of this craziness, right? And it's it makes for it definitely does not make for a better experience. No, okay, it's much much worse. It, it's not a it's not a good. Thing that these things are happening, but what it is <laughs> yeah, exactly is right. interesting. Yeah, uh, and when you walk up to this and you put your money in at the very beginning, right? If you don't see the title screen, you don't know what you're playing, and it looks the exact same as your normal Street Fighter until you start playing and you don't understand what's going on. Yeah, because uh, just crazy things will happen. The computer will change who it is four times in a it's, match. It's, it's you know, just to butt in, but playing this game, I hadn't played this thing for a long time. Right. I played this, load this thing up. I mean, this is one of those games, and I think this is why it exists. You've got Street Fighter 2 Chips Edition in your arcade. Right. Okay, everyone's played the crap out of yes. it. Yes. Okay. And so, a guy walks by, and a dude's playing this, and all of a sudden he sees fireballs shooting out of E-Honda, or Block is sucking you into his electricity somehow, yeah. or you're changing characters. And they're going to be like, what the hell is that? Yes. I've got to try that. And they're going to try it a few times. They're going to be like, man, this sucks. This is jacked up. And then that's it. But they did try it. They still put money and in instead of walking past it. Because yes. you, when you look at this, like I'm watching the video now, and I was playing last night, and if you watch video of this, you're like, holy cow. Ryu's got heat-seeking uh, fireballs. He's doing the, uh, the, the the kick up in the air and this crazy stuff. Stuff that and some of the stuff ends up getting implemented. Well, we're going. going to talk about that. But I mean, you look at it, you're like, this looks like exciting, wacky action. It's not exciting. It's just it's wacky. Yes. But you know, this is not something you definitely aren't going to see this thing in competition anywhere no. either. No, this is something you play as a novelty. But the novelty was popular, and like I said, I have played this in the wild, uh, and just like we talked about, it was something I would have walked past. Had I not seen the craziness that was going on, and once I saw the craziness, I played it over and over and over and over 
just to see eat what new things each character got. Sure. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, this was back, of course, in the '90s because this was released in '92, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to pin down some of these. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. I mean, the best I could. So this is a. I probably didn't play this in '92. I probably played this in '94, '95. Sure. Somewhere in this. They area. probably debuted in Asia or something back <clears> in '92. Um. But I kept playing it over and over because I wanted to see what each character had. You know, all the new stuff. Charge moves don't take charge anymore. You yeah. can just hit back forward and throw. You know, throw uh, sonic booms and whatnot. So, how did this game... Did this game make a lot of money? i got no idea. Who knows? You're never going to find sales figures on something like that. I mean, that. also, what did they sell exactly? I don't even know. But it's a ROM swap. It, it, yeah. I know that, but I mean, did they... Were these... Yes. I don't know what These were here. sold. These were sold just... Again, the Asian market have has have adapted to their environment. They can't get some of this stuff legally, uh, or some of the stuff they they do have, they have to spruce it up. And some of this stuff ended up obviously making it onto the shores of North America because, yeah. like I said, we I played it. it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what makes this game very special is someone who worked on Street Fighter Two saw this game. They played this game, and they were wise enough to go back to Capcom and say, listen, we've got to do something about this. And I, they they didn't just start throwing lawsuits, because what that doesn't do any good in situations like this. You're right. not going to go anywhere. What they did instead was ask themselves, why is this popular? Why is this out there making money? Why does this exist? And the answer to that was, it's faster. It's way more dynamic. You know, the anything can happen type thing. Uh, and, and they said, we've, we've got to get something out in the arcades right now to compete with this, to be good, to be better, to show that Street Fighter has life it doesn't have to be this messed up junk. Uh, we we are going to support the game and make this what it should be. So that is where Street Fighter II Hyper Turbo Edition came to be. And it is an exact... There's no question it was made because Rainbow Edition existed and was starting to take market share away from Champions Edition. So Capcom said, okay, obviously we can't do all this crap because it's ridiculous. <laughs> but they did speed up the game. Yeah. They gave Chung Lee a fireball. Yeah. They allowed you to do some moves in, in midair. Yes. The hurricane kicks, stuff like that. They uh, 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 freshened it up. They made some changes to make things even more balanced. And they this was in an era where Capcom could have done nothing because Turbo Edition wasn't planned, you know? They were working, they were almost assuredly had Street Fighter 3 in the pipeline at this point, but they had to have a stopgap. They had to have something to fill the arcade gap. And Rainbow Edition pushed that to happen. In the end, after this, you started to see a lot bigger, more exciting things in fighting games. Almost all of them started playing faster. You started seeing things like power bars, 
uh, you know, super moves, not just fireballs, I'm talking use a meter type super moves, and it really forced the game to evolve. Not, not was all that on Rainbow Edition? No. But the speed up 100% was. So you have to think Rainbow Edition and this bootleg from uh, you know the ta- Taiwanese developers that pushed fighting games forward because they might have been stagnant for a long time otherwise. You know, it's funny you talk about Hyper slash tur- uh, Turbo. Yeah. Uh, which I think... And I, I agree. I'd say I've heard that before. That's the first time I've heard that there, there was some connection. I think that was the first release from Capcom of a Street Fighter title that was uh, uh, pointless in a lot of ways. Now, I know that there, well, hear me out. They'd made some ch- subtle changes. Okay, I'll grant you that. They put in tight, hyper mode or whatever. But I remember when that came out, and I remember sitting in the arcade, too, and I thought to myself, well, there's really not, a, this is not a huge improvement here. This is just uh, a few tweaks, which is what it was. That's yes. a fact. And I, and I think this started them down the bad path, doing the truth, because I mean it's it's a that's a middle that's a what that is is a, it's something like a ROM update. That's not even a real a secondary game. You know, it's not enough to if you go out and buy hyper or uh, turbo whatever, and you bought that whole board and stuff, you're not getting a whole lot more. If you own Championship Edition. No, well, and first, so, first of all, these were up ROM upgrades. Uh, second of all, the hype, the Turbo Edition was the definitive edition. Uh, Champions Edition was it was the middling ground. Right, but I mean, you're you're you're. <laughs> we saw marquees and side art and even everything for the Hyper Fighters. Uh, I mean, that wasn't like a, when you say it's a ROM upgrade, that was a kit. That was a full-fledged kit. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're getting kit value for that. That's what that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's more like an upgrade. You're going to used to upgrade MK from version two to three. I don't mean like MK two to MK three. I mean like yeah. they would individually but, upgrade. That's what I. That's what it should have been. No, no, I don't you're think there insane. was enough there. I, no. I think this set. I think in a weird way, this put Nintendo or uh, Capcom going down the wrong path with these because that's when you started having the uh, release after release after release. And and with with middling uh, differences than the first one, you can get away with that with championship, but I don't I don't think you can get away with that with hyper. I, I, you're smiling and shaking I, your head, but yeah, just tell no, me why I'm wrong. Okay, I can tell you why you're wrong a, a lot of ways. I'm listening. Championship edition kept the exact same gameplay, let you fight the, as the four bosses, right. right? Turbo edition sped the game up considerably, balanced the fighters, gave. The uh, some of the old fighters' tools that they desperately needed to be to stay up with the fight. Do I think this was as big a jump as say Street Fighter Two to Street Fighter Three? Obviously well, not. No. Uh, but this was—it's all a part about a curve, Aaron. It's all about this curve. Listen, you 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 can't just go from Street Fighter Two to Street Fighter Two Championship Edition to Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. Yes, you can. No, you can't. That jump is too. In fact, big. you just you just nailed the problem. They went from tur- they went from uh, Championship Edition to uh, to Championship Edition Hyper to Super Street Fighter. Then they had Super Street Fighter Turbo. You can see the problem was now Super that Street Fighter those Turbo. two those two I'll give no. You. They they knew what they were doing. They were milking people, and they continued to do it. And I think that you can trace uh, the, the the kindling of that idea back to the Rainbow Edition. 
because they made, listen, for your average arcade goer, and you know I'm right here, your average arcade goer that goes to the arcade every once in a while to play games, they're not going to get balancing issues. They're not going to care about that crap. They want new characters. They want new backgrounds. They want new tunes. And you're not getting any of that stuff with Hyper. So, I fundamentally disagree. Yeah, you listen. Hey, if you're Fighting watching, games are all about the balance. No. And even if you... Not to your not, average quarter if, spender. If you're, if you're a one-time quarter dropper, <coughs> then just have one selectable Are you character. telling me that Championship Edition was so unbalanced it was unplayable? Because I don't remember that. It, it, yes. Listen, my M. Bison was off the if charts. You're, if you're watching this video at home or listening to it, send us a comment. Drop us a note if you think that this was a bad path. I'd be interested. It's, I'm, I'm polling the public here on this one, Brent. Uh-huh. So, the the end result of this, right, Capcom, there was a big joke back in the day, Aaron, and I, I think you remember this, Capcom had the inability to count to three. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember that. Valve has picked up that mantle. <laughs> Team Fortress, Team Fortress 2, Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, maybe they saw Street Fighter 3, and they thought, <laughs> well, we better hold off. <coughs> well, because um, that was a dud. And a lot of people, a lot of people uh, have forgotten about that about Capcom because now they do. They, I think Street Fighter Six just got announced. Mm -hmm. um, and now my Street Fighter days, for the most part, are over. But the new ones are good, though. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah they are. They are. But I, I don't play them like I played these. These are better. They load quicker. No. What? <laughs> no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So. Uh, I want to announce something real quick, Aaron, and that that kind of ties into all this. All right. As you know, right, Boat Fest coming yeah. uh, uh, less than a week away. It'll be over this time next week. That's right. And you never have to hear about it again. But for those that are coming to Boat Fest, yeah. uh, we've got a little thing called Beat the Brent. I like it. Okay. In beat the, Sign me up for that. In Beat the Brent, we are going to challenge each other, not you and I, me versus the audience, yeah. at a little bit of Street Fighter II Champions Edition. Oh, I see. Is it going to be Rainbow? No, it's not. No, no, we're not playing Rainbow. We're playing just good old-fashioned Street Fighter II Championship Edition. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and participants are uh, going to be eligible to win... Their very own fighting sticks. Oh, very nice. So be sure to look. <laughs> be sure to look forward to that uh, at Boat Fest. Yeah, that's very good. Brent. Something nice else slide. we need to say. Yeah. We are not spinning the wheel this week. But I, I, we're not going to read the Discord or anything on your. Oh yeah, let's you just sort of you just sort of you just sort of faded out of your review and it was in the show mode. Can we at least let the people talk about your game? Oh, only if they love it. I'm going to go back. Luckily, thank God I'm here to keep you in line. So we did get a few people that played Brent's hack here. Uh, the Rainbow My Edition. Hack. Pajaco chimes in. I was lucky enough to grow up with local arcades. So I'm pretty sure I got my money taken by Rainbow Edition a few times. I'm not the greatest Street Fighter 2 player. I only beat it a handful of times. Well, you're not the greatest. If that's it, because it's not that tough. Rainbow Edition, however, is insane. And unless... You're a very good player. It will beat you like you owe it money. But it still manages to be fun. The only thing I don't like is being able to swap characters during the fight. More so for the AI doing it. Yeah, that, is, that does get annoying. <laughs> it does it all the time. If you're not checked, if, if you're not checked it out, then you're missing out 9 out of 10. I mean, Pajaco's throwing out 
big numbers this week. <laughs> I guess the check cleared from the Rainbow Edition guys. I think he may have been the only person to yeah. give that one a whirl. So there you go. Let me ask you one question before you keep your shield train going. Yes, Aaron. If you wanted to pick up one of these, yes. can you still? I mean, you. I, I played this in a browser. It was that simple. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, I, I assume you could still get these ROMs if you wanted to. Right? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where you would have gotten them in the first place. That's the thing about it, or how much they would have cost. I just don't have that. It's one of those things that I can tell you from looking for art for this. Like, if you're looking for, like, a Rainbow Edition logo or art for a marquee, none of that stuff exists, which stunned me. You'd think somebody would have put that together uh, by now to uh, to make some cash on it. But uh, they never did. Because even, like, Donkey Kong 2, they have marquees. They have a full art package provided by the guy that made the game. So you would think that Rainbow Edition would have had something. You could buy Rainbow ROMs right now, <clears throat> 25 bucks. 25 there you go. Between 25 and 50 bucks, uh, you can buy it with the... Those are just ROMs. You can buy the whole board for 400 Whoa! Because those boards were dirt cheap. They were giving them away back in the day. Uh, well, here's here's one a, a, a board, Rainbow Edition, for 200 So We had two Championship Edition boards, one that didn't work and one that did. And one we found it was out of rat's nest, then, as I recall. So with all that said, Brent, good job. Nice work. Let's get over to where we don't spin the wheel. Here we go now. Oh! Now, go ahead. Now you can do your stick. Go ahead. We are not spinning the wheel this week because next week we will be at Boat Fest. And at Boat Fest, we are doing something a little bit different. What are we doing? We're going to go a little bit fast, Dan. Yeah, because you try to explain it to me, we're gonna, I only paid slight attention. We are going to hypo-turbo the wheel, right? Okay. Rainbow Edition. We are Rainbow Editioning the, the ARG wheel. We will be spinning not once, not twice, not thrice, but possibly four or five times like next week. Yeah. And we will be doing a live speed run of the wheel. We're going to spin it. Whatever comes up, we're going to pull that topic off. Aaron and I are going to pick games on the spot, do a review, and then spin it again. And as, the, as our uh, segment goes on, the time to review these games are going to get tighter and tighter until we are spinning the wheel faster and faster, Aaron. Yeah. It is going to be quite the experience. It's going to be something that's different, that's for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I guess we should might as well get into it now. You know, uh, next week is, in fact, the big week. As we record that this show, uh, we are mere days away from the festivities at Boat Fest. Brent, tell the folks where they can get all their Boat Fest information. Boat Fest. Dot info. That's right. That's where it's all going you down. You can no longer buy your tickets online, but I do believe there are some still available. There at will be the limited door. numbers of tickets, and I mean limited. Like I mean, like maybe under fifteen at the door. There's not going to be very many. Uh, but if you want to do some walk-up traffic, we'd love to have you up there. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have, of course, uh, the boat will be there in all of his glory. And boats been working hard. So is the brand here. It's been working hard. To get things ready for both of us, I've been sick. So I ain't done nothing. But if I wasn't sick, I would have done nothing. Um, the uh, of course Jack Flack will be there. Uh, we're going to be doing all of our shows. Uh, the Brent. So I'll be doing fifty. Sh- I hope you like looking at me, everybody. Here I am. It's a nonstop me. It should be a fest. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm on all the shows. Uh, but uh, we're going to do all the shows, uh, including Ask the Amigos, which we have a big panel. Ask the Amigos yes. up there. Uh, we're going to be playing games. We're going to have contests. Uh, we're going to have uh, all sorts of classic uh, computers and retro games. 
Uh, the, the people coming are bringing all kinds of all assortment of uh, interesting uh, tidbits and goodies. Uh, we've got a contingent from Canada coming down, including our good friend Jason Warrens, uh, the very famous and popular Earl Curtis Boyle, and Frank from Retro Rewind will be bringing down uh, all of his goodies and tools and toys to do some uh, live repairs. They're at the show, so if you are uh, on the on the uh, edge and you just want to get some stuff repaired, this is a good way to do it, man. This is the way you get done. Now we're going to try to stream the show. Uh, in fact, there could be multiple streams. It depends on the quality of the internet that day. Uh, the Valley here has had some interesting internet uh, 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 challenges uh, over the past couple weeks. So we're hoping everything holds out. But I think both of them got a backup plan for, for internet. So it should be a good time. Anything you want to throw out there, the brand? Uh, you know, for us, we're going on our normal time. So uh, Sunday... At I need to get up for this time, then, don't we, I? We yeah. are going to be uh, going live yeah. at Boat Fest for our our speed run. Um, hopefully, everyone who, who's able to get to Boat Fest can get here. If not, we're going to try to do the most we can to bring online to us. You know, if you look at Sunday on your program, what's it say right there? Tear down. And what Afterwards... Steps of the Mothman Driving Tour. That's right. I'll be I'll be condu- apparently conducting a driving tour. It's called In the Steps of the Mothman. Who will bite you? Where we're going to take uh, interested parties down to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to check out some of the Mothman stuff that's down there, including the statue, the museum, uh, and uh, maybe get a bite to eat. Maybe check out the igloos down there. So that'll be fun. That's a little after after fun. For after boat fest, so that, you know, should, that should be a good time. I just realized something, Aaron. What? We won't be doing our show at the normal time. We'll be doing it a day early. Well, yeah, I was wondering why you <laughs> said that, but I just assumed you were dumb. So there you go. Any parting thoughts this week before we let these five people go and take it to the house? No. No. Please, join us at boat fest. Uh, by the way, we'll be back on our normal schedule after this week. Uh, we'll be recording and uh, uh, on Sundays and releasing shows on Wednesday, but... For one week only, we're going to release a little bit early since we missed last week. So thanks, everybody, for checking us out. Uh, Please uh, tune in next week for the show. And until then, go hack something, brother. Bam. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. A special thank you to Death and Styles for our vector style graphics and Bartbit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks, Dryerlet 17, Laron Garut, Templar Mar, Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalogy, Air Shack, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, O'Rawn, Super Tech Boy, David Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Brown, W. Betke, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhardt Lucas, Steve Rasmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Better Blitter, Kajako6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Black O'Hara, Jason Warns, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo Edel, The Slow Norris, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rolo. They all have access to our Discord channel, their name called out in the credits, and visualized in the ending scene. Have an idea for a wheel piece? You can send it to us at 
ARG presents at mail.com.